0: Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning I'm sharing on the power of the Amen. And uh, this is a term that we use so religiously in our churches every Sunday. Amen. You see? <laughs> every Sunday, and many people. Do it out out of tradition and out of habit. And Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, your traditions make the word of God of no effect. And so many times if we do things without having revelation as to why we are doing them, we can get to the place where we begin to act religiously, but we don't see God's will fulfilled in our lives. And the amen is a word, as we'll go into the message, you'll realize that it means so be it, let it be so. It illustrates and reflects your agreement to someone or something. Amen is not a religious term in that sense. Because if it means so be it, those words are not only to be used in the context of church, right? Right? If you say, I agree, you don't only use that in a religious context. So when you have an amen, your amen response means that I am in full agreement with what has been said or what has been prophesied or what has been stated over my life. Now the reason why the amen is so important is because God is operating with mankind on a principle of stewardship. That means that when God created the heavens and the earth, he actually gave the control of it to mankind. How many of you, you've heard this said, or you've heard this expression, God is in control. How many of you, you've said it before? Don't worry, God is in control. (laughs) Right? It sounds very good and religious. But there is a difference between authority and control. Many of you who are managers in the workplace, you have authority. But when there's a project that you delegate, you give control to the person that you delegate it to. You understand? And if that person comes back at the end of the task, and it is incomplete, and they say to you, but you are in control. What will be the emotion that you will feel at that moment? (laughs) It is a neglect of duty if you don't take up the responsibility that has been delegated to you. And most of the time we see the amen used in the context of prayer. But the amen and the agreement that we bring from our lives should not only be a Applied to prayer, but should be applied to our whole entire life. We will see that even when we are addressing the words of the enemy that are spoken to us, we must make sure that we reject them by not giving him our amen. Amen. And many times we get into a place where the enemy's purpose and plan is coming to pass Only because someone is saying amen to it. Now, why is this important? Amen is a spoken, solemn ratification or an agreement. Now, ratification, it's a legal term. It means to endorse what was done or said. So, for instance, if your wife comes back from Woolworths with 20 liters of water, and she has brought it home, you have a decision and you're in charge of the finances, for instance, you are, at that point, to make a decision whether to accept that water, and if you ratify her decision that she made at the shop to buy it, that water stays, amen? So, if you say, no, my dear, we have city of Vintuk water, the purest water in the land, it is sufficient for us. Then you do not ratify that decision. And then you have not given your amen. And there are repercussions to that. Do you understand? If you just keep quiet, what will happen? <laughs> she will carry the water in. Understood? And so, amen is derived from the Hebrew amen or amen, which means certainty, certainty, In truth and verily. It also means it is so or so be it. Let it be so. Now when we are speaking in in spiritual environments, why is it as if we need to make endorsements from words that are coming from God? Why is it that it's almost as if we are granting permissions every time that we are engaging God in a request or when a word is coming from God. Why is it so? Is God not in control? Can he not do whatever he wants? Psalm 115 verse 16 let's read together one to go. The heavens are the heavens of the but the he has given to the sons of Have you ever read that scripture? So this means that the heavens belong to God. He has not relinquished his authority. Meaning, whoever is in control of the earth will give an account to the one who delegated it to him. But, they are the ones who are meant to be in Control. And the religious people never accept this. Because our society is filled with people that will never take responsibility and are always trying to find somebody to blame. And this happened with Adam. The moment, the moment that their eyes were open, they felt that they were naked. And God comes into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Did you partake of the tree? That I told you not to partake of. What was his first response? It was the woman that you gave me. He blamed two people in one breath. All the way to God. It was she and you. And that is the response of mankind after the fall. And this relinquishes when you relinquish control of something that is in your care. You will be accountable for the consequences even if you don't want it. Amen? So I've got somebody who works for me. I tell them, look, I'm going on leave for two weeks. You are acting. You are in charge. Okay? You are in control. If there's any trouble, call me. I'll release the resources. But you make sure that this thing doesn't sink while I'm gone. Two weeks later, the boss comes back. And the place is a mess! (laughs) And the person is smiling. Because the comfort they had over two weeks of negligence was that my boss is in control. Nothing ever happens except my boss does it. And so when the boss asks, okay, why is the place in a mess? The blame will start. And where will the blame be put? With? With the boss. It is neglect of the highest sort. It only doesn't make sense to you if you really don't believe that God has put mankind in charge. So let's go and see what the scripture says. This is the picture That God has. I've left someone in control. Many times we hear a great flood has taken place. A great, in in the legal documents we'll say, acts of God. Right? A great earthquake has taken place. Right? And so we begin to experience that same thing that Adam has done. Relinquishing that to God. And ultimately what happened in the beginning was that Adam was meant to be in charge. Give us there. Adam was meant to be in charge. Let's read here. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and our, and let them have, what is dominion? Yes. The religious word is dominion. What does dominion mean? Blame God. (laughs) No. Dominion means control. Dominus. Okay? Let them have dominion. Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Did you see that part we skipped there? Over what the earth? Over how much of the earth? Let them have dominion over how much of the earth? Do you believe that? Do you? Hmm. (laughs) Because people don't live like that. And then it says, verse 28, and God blessed them. Now when God blesses you, he speaks words that cause his will to be fulfilled in your life in the good sense. And God blessed them, meaning he equipped them for what they needed to do. And God said unto them, be fruitful. This is the blessing. And multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Don't let the earth subdue you. You subdue it and have dominion over the earth fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. What is God's will? God's will is for man to be in charge of the earth. It's the reason why God made him. He is in a place of regency. He is in a place of kingship. God would not have his children be beggarly. He didn't made Adam to be like that. But there is an enemy that fell from heaven, Lucifer. He committed treason against God and he lost his place of authority, his right to rule, and he was thrown down to the earth to be one of the creatures under the dominion of Adam. And Adam has great dominion, but he's, he seems to not, Value it, and what the enemy does, he knows that since I don't have dominion in heaven, I will become God on earth by robbing Adam of his authority. You see, so Satan today is not just operating with some satanic powers, he is operating with Adamic authorities. And Jesus came back as the last Adam to restore that and he gave the authority back to to man, back to the church. Now why is this important? Because your disposition towards life, your victim mentality is emphasized by the fact that you believe that someone else is going to do it. And that is exactly what the enemy wants. When Satan was speaking to Eve and asking her, did God really say? When, when Satan was speaking to Eve, he was there trying to get Adam to come into disalignment with heaven. So that he can agree and say amen to Satan. Because the realm of the spirit does not have dominion in the physical realm except through Adam. This is why the son of God had to incarnate. And God's interventions on the earth is through mankind. Why? It's not because God is not powerful enough to intervene. The thing is that God has got too much integrity and so whatever he says, let them have control, binds them and binds him. Do you understand? It says he has set his word above his name. Meaning at his integrity he will not change his word. So if he spoken it, so shall it be. And Jesus had to become the word made flesh to come and fulfill the father's will in the body of Adam. They even turned him him and called called him the second and the last Adam. Because of these pronouncements that God made. Do you understand? So the enemy's work in your life is subject to your consent and ratification. So that you don't have the sense to say, no, tonight we have to have dinner at home, and we are hungry. But since God is in control, it is surely not his will that we starve, and therefore we will eat tonight. How many of you know that you will die like that? Right? Is it God's will for you to eat? Yes, he created you with that, with an appetite, right? It's in the design. Two, did God give you responsibility to eat if there's food around? Yes. And so where in, in our minds will we find it sensible to expect God to come and cook food in our kitchen? And if the family dies, they say, yo, 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 it must have been God's will. Shush, shush, shush. And then we say, well, we just praise God. He gives and he takes us away. Blessed be the name. It's religious. It's religious. Right? And even if you say, no, but what about Job? We can go in the story of Job and see what exactly was happening behind the scenes. The ratifications and the pronouncements that Job was making. And so it is critical. Why? This is important for the church to know because the church is the body of Christ on earth. If someone is your body (laughs) and you expect to eat, they have to move their arm and put it in the plate and bring the food to the mouth. The only thing that you can do is tell them, please, can you move your hand and put it in my mouth? If they say, no, head, you are in control. That is a misunderstanding of God's intent and plan. Are we together? So this idea that God is in control must be relegated to its right context, that God is in authority. And in his authority, he has decided to limit his control to certain respects. That is how in control you can say he is. That he is willing to do that. Why? Because he is trying to raise sons and not slaves or robots that get told what to do at every corner. He made them in his image and likeness. And so man on earth is supposed to be regent. He's supposed to be king on earth. And so if man does not take up that that responsibility, the earth will be given to anybody who is willing to take advantage of it. Is that clear? This will cause you to pray differently. It will cause you to live differently, right? It will stop this low self-esteem, beggarly type, look to China, look to America, look to the white people, look to the everybody attitude. Don't look at me like that, it's the truth, yeah? (laughs) Amen? Amen. (laughs) And so it is so important that we understand The Bible speaks about, and let me share this with you. The Bible speaks about Israel being set free from Egypt. Was it God's will for them to go to the promised land? Was it? Are you sure? 100%. Okay. So then God delivers them with miracles and mighty signs. Opens the ocean. They go through it on dry land. There's a pillar of fire by night for their uh, fireplace, and uh, a cloud by day for for their air conditioning. They reach the, the, the threshold of the promised land. They are at the river, literally, and what they do is they send in spies to go and scout out the land that God said is surely flowing with milk and honey and I have made sure that you will inherit it. When the people come back, there are 12 spies that went out Ten came back saying that, no, we cannot take that city. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. There are giants there. (laughs) There are giants there. And so they begin to tell the people something. And look at this. This is God's will beginning to be in the balance because of a message that's contrary and a response that needs to ratify it. So then Joshua and Caleb come and they share with them. No! We were there. The land is surely flowing with milk and honey. Here are the fruits. We can take it. God brought us through. The people are afraid of us. Let's take the land. And already at that time, the Bible says the people were weeping. They almost wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. The people were weeping. You can see their Amen. And what did God say? The Bible says that the wrath of God was stirred. And he said, okay, Moses, give them what they want. And what happened? They went back into the wilderness and they walked around in the wilderness for 40 years. Was it God's will? Why did it happen? Doesn't God's will happen all the time? Isn't it automatic? Isn't God dead in control that whatever he wills takes takes place? No. Why? Because of what God said. The Bible says, it is not God's will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That is why Jesus is on delay. He's saying he's not delaying because of how you think. He's being patient. It's not his will for any to perish, but for all to come. And yet people are going to hell. It's God's will for everyone to go to heaven, and people are going to hell. If God's will was automatic, everyone would go to heaven. If God's will was automatic, your husband would be different. (laughs) You wouldn't have to fast six days of the week for that guy. If God's will was automatic. But God's will is not automatic and it's not an abdication of God saying that I will not interfere. He is saying, I want you to rise. I have made you to rule. So you must wake up to that and begin to walk in it. And the way that you begin to partner with heaven and partner with God is through your amen. The Old Testament speaks about how Moses brought out laws, blessings, and curses. Deuteronomy 28 speaks about how Moses spoke over the congregation and he said, If you shall hearken diligently, if you listen carefully to every word that God has spoken, and you shall do it, then you shall be blessed. Blessed shall you be coming in. Blessed shall you be going out. You shall be blessed in the city. You shall be blessed in the farm, in the field. Blessed shall be your bread basket. Blessed shall be your animals. Blessed shall be your animals children. Blessed shall be blessed. Blessed shall be your water. Blessed. You will not even grow mildew. Blessed. And all the people had to say, Amen. Amen. Why? Why is God limiting him like that? This God. And the angels look at this. This is my surmising, just my meditation. They look at this and they say, why is our God tolerating this? Send us now, we will take them out. Why? Because he wants someone who stands with him as a son. The son and the father are similar. Imagine the father is wealthy and the children are on the street. What does it say about the father? So God's plan was never to make men there. He brought him into the Godhead through Christ. Do you understand? So it's not that God is trying to leave you. If God, if this is true, if God is not in control, then we are in trouble. Ah, ah, ah. (laughs) And this is what happened on the night that Jesus was betrayed. People were running. It's over. And he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will send you the helper. And so God's plan is for the church to rise up. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are, yes, in Christ. And my question to you this morning is, how many of God's promises do you know? Huh? Because if there are promises available to you, Andrew, right? And you are not aware of them then there's no way that you can take advantage of them. Right? Imagine, how many of you here, you know that you are in someone's will and testament? Just live like this. (laughs) Huh? You know. In the first service also, just two people. Because in Africa, you don't tell people they are in your will. They will poison you. (laughs) And I must give you some legal advice this morning. The law, if they find out that you killed the data. in order to inherit, you get disqualified from inheriting under that will. So, Africa, leave those things. <laughs> amen? So, therefore, if you are unaware of the promises, if you are unaware of the promises, and this is the question to the believer, you ask them, how many of God's promises do you know? Okay, um, I know that uh, there's the promise of forgiveness of sins. Amen, amen. And I know that there's the promise of... Um, Eternal life in heaven, amen, amen. And I know that there's the promise of forgiveness of sins, amen, amen. And I know that there's the promise of eternal life in, you see, they know two or three. And this is what the Bible says. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, so that we might know the things which are freely given us of God. Freely given us of God. So the Holy Spirit comes into your life to bring you into a knowledge. The Greek word is idol. That you might become aware. Why? Because you can only take advantage of what you know. Amen? It says here, they are yes in Christ. The previous verse says, when we came to you, our message to you was not yes and no. But the Christ that we preached to you was yes. Jesus is God's yes. But that is not enough. As radical as that statement is. It seems to be that God's yes is not enough until we have. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So the enemy knows that God is on a move. He's doing what he does. But he knows that many people will not accept it. Will not accept it. There are people here. You are not born again. Christ already died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And they will say, if God wants to save me, he'll save me here. I'm here. (laughs) You see? He will go to hell like that. Why? Because God has put in your heart something that makes you like him. And that is that will. It makes you special to God. And so it says, through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. On every promise of God is yes. Find any promise of God in the the word. Right? In the context. Find it. And every one of them is yes. But many times the issue is, we've got some preacher that comes along and says, Um, sometimes God's promises are no. You never know (laughs) what God wants to do. God works in mysterious ways. I can testify of that. The Holy Spirit, and then they say, I has not seen has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him and they stop there the next verse says but he has revealed those things to us by his spirit the mystery that was hidden for ages has now been revealed, what is it? Christ in you the hope of glory yeah and the enemy has got his cliches, throwing out his cliches there. And you think, oh, it must be biblical. Read the whole manual. Read the whole manual. Revelation 3 verse 14. To the angel, the angel is the, the, the pastor in Revelations. He is the messenger. Angel, angelos means messenger. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, these are the words of the Amen. Who is the amen? Jesus. Do you see here? That Jesus is God's agreement. To say fully, fully, fully towards man goodwill. The faithful and true witness. The originator of God's creation. And so it is important that you realize this. Why? The Bible says... Resist the devil, and he will? If you do not resist the devil, what will happen? He will not flee. You know how many people, believers, have this idea that if I don't resist the devil, God will come and resist the devil for me. No. He has spoken it, that means he cannot contradict it. And the previous verse says, submit yourself to God. What does that mean? Say the amen to God's promise. And then tell the devil to get away from your stuff. Adam was supposed to immediately interrupt Satan. Excuse me. Excuse me, brother devil. And he was supposed to say, look, I've received my instructions. I'm in charge here. Okay? Wife, let's go. And you, I'll deal with you now. Do you understand? He did not do that. He did not do that. And when God came in, he asked him for accountability. He asked him for accountability. So your life today is a reflection of your amen. But your amen can be amening to the devil or amening to God's promise. Because you might be here in church, and this is what I was sharing with, with, the pre- with the previous service. That to minister today is different from the time my dad was ministering. Huh? Just about a couple of years ago, a pastor would minister. And when he preaches, this, this is the only sermon that people will have that week. But today, I will preach here. This afternoon, people will be listening to their favorite preacher somewhere. Right? And then, when they come back and their life is not reflective of what we preach here, the people will say, ah, oh, what's wrong with the leadership? So we have to take accountability because you are sitting here. But you, yet you do not make it exclusive to be planted here. And I'm saying that, yes, make sure that if you're listening to another preacher, make sure that they're good. Right? But if they're dodgy... Right? Be careful. Be careful. And so the book of Hebrews speaks about how the people were going to go into the promised land. And it says that Joshua would have taken them into a day of rest called today. A Sabbath day. And it says if Joshua brought them in, there would no longer be mention of another day by David. But David mentions another day of rest. And then he says, he calls it today. Today, if you hear his voice, today there remains a day of rest for the people of God. You can enter into this place of peace and blessing with God. But it says the reason why they did not enter, the same word that was preached to us was preached to them. But the reason why they did not enter was because they did not mix the message that they heard with faith. This is critical. So all the promises of God may be applicable in your life. But you are not ratifying them. You will not see them. By By God's principle. Right? And so this is so important. Number one. You must have a strong amen to Christ in your life. It starts with salvation. Jesus Christ is preached to you as the only way to the Father. He is the one that died in your place. He, he, he is resurrected and he is the one that brings life. You must know that and you must endorse it. If you do not come and receive Christ, you can wait wherever you are and it will not happen. Then the next thing is your identity in Christ. Why? Because there are many voices coming, coming to you, telling you who you are. And whoever you believe and give your amen to, that will be reflected in your life. 1 John says it this way. Wait. Come here. You as a believer, if this is Jesus, and I am the believer. When Jesus came, what he came to do is he came for an exchange. This is why we don't say Jesus is an example. He's an example of sorts. But he's not an example in reality. Why? Because he is a substitute. So Jesus didn't just come and say, okay, uh, I do this and then I do it. Then he does it, then I do it. No. We had an exchange. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. So that we might be made the righteousness of God. That means an exchange took place and that means what he has I now have. The way that God saw him is the way that God sees me now. Do you understand? But this must be an amen from your heart. It says in 1 John 4, thanks. 1 John 4, by this lo- by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is where in this world most people most believers don't believe that they relate to god on the basis of who they are apart from christ and the bible says that if any man is in christ he is a new creation all things are passed away, Behold, all things have become new. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. And this is important. Why? Because many times people don't even know these things. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was sent so that we might become aware of what we have received in Christ, not to make us feel guilty. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. He has come to enlighten us, to open our eyes to what we have in Christ. Number two, you have to amen to your inheritance in Christ. This is critical. When I ask how many of you are in somebody's will, only two. They're in the corner somewhere. (laughs) Raise their hands. But now, how many of you are in Jesus' will? Okay, some of you don't know. Okay, you must understand that Jesus is a testator as well. So, the book of Hebrews says that the testament does not come into effect until the testator dies. Okay, so Jesus, when we do communion here, he says, this is the cup of the new new covenant. The actual word is the new testament. A testament is not a religious thing. It is an inheritance document where you have rights and privileges and benefits cited therein. Do you understand? And so, how many of you would like to inherit from a poor person? You don't even go to the meeting. Why? Because you'll just get the old lipstick, maybe, (laughs) and an old shirt. But if you know... No, 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 no. The person that, is in, that, that that died and bequeathed their estate is wealthy. You'll be there early. <laughs> blocking everyone from what is yours. Right? Let's read here. Romans 8 verse 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. And if as as of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Oh, man. Oh, man. If you knew what this means, it means that everything that Jesus owns, owns, has been given to you. Has the will come to pass? Let's ask. Did the testator die? Yes. He died immediately when the testator dies, the will becomes actionable. And then who did he send to administrate the estate? The Holy, the Holy Spirit, the advocate. He is called the Paracletos, the advocate. Why? He comes and he says, son, I'm here. No, no uncle or aunt is gonna rob you of your inheritance today, <laughs> right? Because this is another thing we have in Africa, eh? Oh my goodness. You come to that situation after we cry now. After we cry and the funeral is over, then the great debates start. Mm. And if you don't have a lawyer there or something, the vultures are coming. They'll take everything. But Jesus raises from the dead to make sure, make sure my sons inherit. And he sends the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? It says, if so, be, so it be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. What does that mean? That means that whatever you receive from Christ, you receive the whole package. Right? It says that as you receive the inheritance, the good things, take also upon you the persecutions, the reproach. The shame to be associated with Jesus. Right? Because as you associate yourself with Jesus in the bad times, you also associate with him in the good things. Do you understand? And so this is critical. And then it says, and also be glorified together. Many times we have this religious notion. Oh, God will not share his glory with another. Uh, Don't touch the glory of the Lord. Have you read John 17? Jesus praying in Gethsemane. And he says, the same glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. Glory doesn't mean worship. Because Psalms also says, what is man that you are mindful of him? You crowned him with glory. Okay? Okay? There's something about your life that is glorious. The whole whole creation recognizes the glory upon man. But it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? And so your amen, you you, you must know what is in here. How many of you, you've gone at least to grade 12 in school? At least. Please put up your hand, otherwise I'll I'll just start prophesying that way I do education prophecies. We at least went to grade 12, and those who haven't, no problem. But how many of you, you've gone through all that stuff, some of the things, you're not even using it. Calculus. Maths with with, uh, letters. (laughs) I'm not using those things. I just need one plus one is five. That's all I need. It's two. People (laughs) are (laughs) like, this pastor doesn't know math. One plus one is two. And so, you spend so much time getting that knowledge. And yet you will neglect spiritual wisdom. The entrance of his word brings light. It says, of all things, desire wisdom. Yeah? Of all things, desire and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you must have the word of God. When you are at home, and after your kids have watched a, a little bit of TV, pull them aside and say, I'm going to share now with you with the word of God. Let them read it. Let them begin to read about Proverbs, how to handle relationships, how kings operate, how kings think, what is God's idea concerning the earth. Let them grow up with more than just sex education. Let them grow up with more than sex education. <laughs> Amen. And then you, if you are married, you and your wife, it's not a contentious issue. No, I wanted to read today. No, you, no, not. You should read like the pastor. The pastor already said you are the head. You must read. Hi, I'm leaving now. Let me go pray alone. No, no, no. Husband. <laughs> You take your wife, you know, you say, I, I discovered some things. Uh, I'm not promoting homosexual relationship here. I, I just don't like to take ladies because stumbling blocks and stuff, you know. I'm married happily. Mm. Then you begin to share with her. Yeah? You begin to share. Oh, this is what I saw, you know. And you begin to pour out your heart and bless. This is what you do. Why? This is the contents that will determine how we take charge. In every area of our lives where we are negligent, it's not because we are bad, it's because we are ignorant. Mm. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Thank you, it was getting a bit warm. (laughs) (laughs) Next one. Next one. Then amen to the faithfulness of God's word. You know this word, It says in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You don't need to go through many, you know, because we have this idea that, no, I want to learn through mistakes. Everyone must make their own mistakes. Foolish. There will be your mistakes, yes, as you are going on God's path. But you don't have to make all the mistakes. Learn from others' mistakes. Now, God's primary tool to teach you is not through circumstances. Do you understand? God's primary tool is instruction in the Word. His primary tool. If you are able to be taught in instruction with the Word, you will hardly go through all sorts of trainings that involve hardships. I'm telling you that. God has no need to do that if you already have the quality through the word. But most of the church is not in the word. They are in trials. The school of hard knocks. Amen? Tell your neighbor, no need my brother. No need. No need my sister. You know, yesterday we were at the marriage marriage course that we are doing with our leaders and they shared an illustration which is so good uh, as we end, right? So, this Scottish man was going to move to the United States. At the end of his life, he had saved up enough money. You know, it was his dream to travel to the U.S. And at that time, there were titanics, you know. So, you, like, you buy a ticket, you go on a cruise ship, all the way to the free world. Yeah? And so, what he did is he saved up, he bought a ticket, got on the, on, the, on the boat, but he told himself, hey, I don't have enough to buy the bed and breakfast, the B and B option. Eh? Bed and breakfast option. So he will just have bed. And then he'll take some costs with him. So he took some rough breads you know, and some water. And the whole trip, you know, as he is at the mast of the ship, you know, doing things. Like, <laughs> eating his bread. The whole trip. Sometimes when he passed the eatsal, the dining hall, you know, when you pass food, and it is so good that your eyes start tearing, <laughs> <laughs> the hunger is speaking. He just had to pass through because otherwise he will steal. And at the last day, he happened to bump into one of the stewards on the ship, and the steward was asking him, "So, did you enjoy the trip, sir?" And he's like, yeah, I had a wonderful trip. But I think next time when I take a a cruise ship, I'm going to wait a year, save up some more so that I can have the bed and breakfast option, something for the food. And then the steward looked at him like, what do you mean, brother? (laughs) You know, when you are struggling, and they start with sir, but when you say a real situation, then it's brother. (laughs) What do you mean, brother? (laughs) Let me see your ticket. And then the guy showed the ticket, he told him, but this ticket is all-inclusive. <laughs> the guy didn't even finish talking, he went straight to the Yatsau. <laughs> for the last two minutes of the trip. <laughs> and for the next weeks, he started telling the testimony, you know, the devil was in my way. <laughs> he kept me from eating what I don't. It's not the devil. You need to read your ticket. Tell your neighbor, read your ticket. Yes. Jesus paid for it. Amen. And so, it is not hard. It is not hard. We have the helper. We have the teacher. We have the Holy Spirit. Not in order to control your life and make you do's and don'ts. No, but to reveal to you what Christ has accomplished on the cross for you. So that you might have a cruise ship where you can eat at the Yetzal. Imagine. The conversations that he missed out on. He might have met, you know, somebody there or something, you know. Many benefits that we forfeit. And then we say, no, it was God's will that I didn't eat. Otherwise, God was going to explain to me that that ticket. This is, hear God's voice in an audible voice. Hello, my church. (laughs) Study the word. Study the word. Study the word. Amen? Amen. Let us stand. Put your hand on your heart. If you don't know which side it is, it's on the left. (laughs) Let's say this together. Heavenly Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your your confidence in me. Today, Today, my eyes are being opened. opened. That I might know know. what Christ has made available. available. Through his sufferings. sufferings. This morning, morning, I open my heart. heart. And I say, "Holy Holy Spirit, you are my teacher. You are my helper. I say amen to you. I receive you in my life in in a tangible way. way. Come, Come. speak to me. Lead me me. as I'm in the word. Word. Bring light, bring life life. from the word of God. God. This morning, morning, I I declare that I'm born of God. The Spirit of God dwells in me. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things are possible. God's plan for me is good. God's plan for me is healthy. I have the wisdom of God, I have the mind of Christ. Every day and in every way, I'm being transformed. Into the likeness of Christ. Likeness of Christ. My, mouth is a for God. My mouth is a mouthpiece for God. My life radiates the glory of God. And the glory. Goodness and mercy follow, me. And mercy follow me. God's hand is upon me. God's hand is upon me. I have been justified from all sin. I have been from all sin. And God loves me. God loves In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elaya sada Yakoba, Salayaka, Maraya mara ya sieloma bara ya silika bandos toria satana briele ka senderiki shala ya siiga bandala ya sinama If my people who are called by my name If they will spend their time In my word And the eyes of their understanding Will be enlightened They will see that I've already blessed them With every spiritual blessing In Christ Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not (laughs) I've made a way I've made a way, I've made a way, I've made a way through my word. Father, I declare your blessing over your people this morning, Lord. I thank you for a fresh passion for your word, Lord God. I declare open eyes in the spirit, Lord God. I thank you for remembrance of scriptures, Lord God. I thank you that our hearts will always say yes to you and no to the enemy, Lord Yeah, That we will not receive any negative report, Lord Yeah, That we'll continue to guard our hearts, Lord God. That we'll continue, Father God, to walk according to your way, Father God. So this afternoon, we thank you, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.